Welcome to the Family Office Secrets Podcast, where we share weekly advanced financial planning concepts, insights, and family office financial planning strategies and tactics. I've got an incredible show for you today. I'm joined by Stephen Bowles with Catalyst Advisory. Stephen, it's great to see you. So good to see you too, MC. Thanks for having me on. I'm always excited when we chat, so it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. Abs- absolutely. Now, for folks that are not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with them? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I won't go all the way back to uh, when I was born, but my professional career has spent uh, the first part of my career, about nine months or, or nine years or so, uh, doing outside sales for different companies in the same industry, building out. And what I kind of learned is like, hey, I was pretty good at that. And it's very important. And I was building other people's businesses, something I was proud of, but I mean, wasn't an owner of it. Um, then I then I had the opportunity to come on board and work with uh, a family office in their their advisory group. They had an operating entity that advised other family offices and wealthy families on uh, wealth transfer, estate planning, asset protection, uh, integrating life insurance. Um, and I had the opportunity to do that. And I operated in that space for the last seven years. And, um, and that was just an incredible experience. It, it allowed me to kind of bring on the structure that I was used to, used to, but learning a whole new space, opening my eyes to how other people do things. Um, I learned a lot, both technically from being in that space, but also I learned from clients, uh, which is probably my biggest takeaway. And then I launched um, a Catalyst Advisory. Uh, I launched that so that I could continue, A, to build something that that I had my vision um, instead of somebody else's vision, and to continue to work with high net worth families and individuals um, and to integrate best practices on wealth transfer and uh, estate planning. Um, and then also I were able to expand that. I couldn't really expand that when it wasn't my vision. I really wanted to work with business owners and help them with business protection, uh, buy sells. A lot of, there's a lot of uh, work that needs to be done there. And then um, just generally in the life insurance space, being able to, to just give good advice, um, which I think is lacking a lot out there. So I, I also work with families that are referred to me. Um, and that's a passion, passion play. I'll be adding some additional people to keep helping in that space too. I'm really excited what you're doing with Catalyst Advisory for listeners and viewers. You know, uh, Stephen is one of, uh, the best minds I've come across and I've known Stephen for, for five years now, uh, in advanced planning strategies, like family office kind of planning, so I just think it's very exciting um, that, you know, high net worth individuals can now have access to these strategies that Stephen was helping families uh, within family offices implement and execute. Um, you don't have to have $100 million to sit down with them now. <laughs> yeah. So if you are, you know, at a $15 million uh, net worth and, and up now, the same strategies that's implemented and executed in family offices, he can help you with. And so I'm very, very excited that you're bringing this um, through Catalyst Advisory now to business owners, uh, because, you know, I, I found like there's such a huge gap in the wealth kind of industry, if, if, if I can call it that, 
um, especially when it comes to strategy and implementation of strategy and tactics uh, for high net worth individuals, because they're kind of like in the doldrums, right? In the beginning, um, I would say like from one to, let's just say 10 to 15, there are certain things that you can do. Um, and I think when you hit a, th a threshold from like 10 million and up, there's a lot of things that you can do now, but folks don't know about it. Uh, unless you know, <laughs> you're close to a hundred or over a hundred million dollars in net worth, and now you're now you can plug into a a a family office and uh, that have access to all of those strategies and help people implement and execute it. So I'm very excited of what you're what you're building and uh, what you're yeah what what you're doing with Catalyst Advisory. Thanks. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, there's there's a lot of really good practitioners out there that help high net worth families. It, there, there is a little bit of a gap there, a big gap there of bringing that all together, um, especially for families that are high net worth, but illiquid. Um, yep. So once you're high net worth and liquid, you'll have a lot of resources banging on your door because, because they can offer those while at the same time managing assets. But if you're building a business, your, your, your assets, your net worth is tied up in businesses and real estate, which is super common. Um, then you then you start to sit there and say, hey, there's a little bit less out there available um, to help with that type of strategy. I mean, the specialists are still there. It's just bringing it all together to put strategy together with the specialists. Yep. Well, well put. You know, one of the uh, if I ref have to reflect back just of uh, some of our conversations, one of the things that really stood out uh, to me, and this is probably, I don't know, four years ago, five years when, when we, uh, when we uh, just met. Um, and I think like, this was like the, the third or the fourth time where I actually came uh, in and sat down with you in a family office. And we were just kind of like uh, having a conversation and, uh, and you were sharing some of the things that is a priority when you are crafting a strategy for uh, these families. And one of the things that just blew me away, and I always share the story because it was just such a big light bulb moment for me, was the amount of um, just focus that there was to, uh, to just playing solid defense, meaning mm -hmm. having protective measures and structures and strategies in place to protect the wealth of the family, taxes being one of them, right? Where I couldn't believe the amount of time that was spent by uh, advisors and family offices focusing on, on tax strategy. And I remember you sharing with me and saying, MC, just think about it this way. If we can legally reduce in this year, you know, the tax tax liability of this family, let's just say 20%, there's no return in the marketplace that can match that. And then over time, because this is a legacy family, right? So it's this year. Uh, what does that compound to over five years, 10 years, 15 years? What does that compound uh, to over generations? You know, one, two, three, four. There's just no return in the marketplace. Uh, and it just was a, a huge light bulb moment for me. I'm like, no, <laughs> there isn't. There's nothing that could compete with that. Um, and it's the same thing with asset protection, having proper asset protection in place, having a, a estate plan in place, right? Because you get mm -hmm. all those uh, wealth erosion kind of uh, variables, uh, and I, I call them attack vectors because it's essentially attacking the family's wealth, whether they know about it or not, right? Uh, division of assets, which a lot of families do. The wealthy families know, like the Rockefellers always said, you got to keep the family's wealth together, keep the capital together instead of just dividing it and spreading it, spreading it amongst family members. Um, so learned a lot from you with regards to protective and defensive uh, defensive measures, tax 
tax strategy, asset protection, estate planning. You mentioned um, already one challenge that business owners have, but what do you see now with a lot of business owners that you're working with and investors? What are some of the biggest challenges uh, that they have and and maybe inefficiencies that they have in an overall uh, strategy? Yeah, one of the things that, um, and to answer that question, I, I'm going to get that. I'm just going to back it up a second. So one of the things that you kind of, to learn in a perspective switch when you're talking to the families is like, they really don't need any help learning how to create wealth. Like that's why they're there in the first place. They're very good at it. And um, so as an advisor, it wasn't about like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to take your assets and do this with it. It was, Hey, we need to help protect against division and erosion taxes being a big eroder division being just poor estate planning and, and putting wealth into the wrong hands. And, um, and so that, that's a, that ends up being a challenge for, for everybody who's on that upper spectrum. So if you're a first generation, you've created, you're creating your business and you're building that business, then there are a million things that you have to think about as an entrepreneur. And, and even when you're 15 years into it, maybe you don't feel like an entrepreneur anymore, right? Cause you're, you're well established, but there's all these things that you have to think about and you've got advisors around you. And so the biggest challenge I, I end up seeing there is like, well, how do you, how do you kind of put strategy together? Um, who's going to do that, right? So, so your, your specialists are absolutely going to help with kind of whatever you put out there in front of them. They say, hey, I'm thinking I've got this tax problem this year. Um, and they'll say, well, this is what's available. It's X, Y, and Z. That doesn't really answer like, well, how did we get there in the first place? How do we kind of prevent that next year in the next five years? And how do we put all that together? So a lot of times what I'm finding is that somebody will come to some come to somebody like me and say, oh, I heard about this from my buddy that's also an entrepreneur and also in the kind of same space as me. I think I want to do that. And it's like, hey, that might be a great choice, but we need to take a step back just a little bit and make sure that we're kind of coordinating all efforts together so that we're, we're, we're plugging gaps and then we can build off of that. Um, and that's really, that ends up being the, the probably the biggest um, opportunity that people that are creating their wealth. I mean, I'm working with some people now. They're just they're just on that trajectory. I mean, they're early in, relatively early in. They're high income earners. Their business is building. You make a change when you're a little change at that. When you're when you're on that trajectory, creates this massive change later. So you you peel off a little bit of that into a trust, and you realize how much later in future estate taxes you protected by having that grow outside. These are massive. Uh, differences that end up being generational type of differences. Um, so you can do those things early and those end up being, I mean, I don't, I, on, on something like that, I don't want to get too specific on what that is, but, but because it has to fit into an overall strategy and it has to fit for that person's balance sheet. Yeah. So there's a ton of blind spots for folks that play offense really, really well. And that's why they play it well because they're very focused, right? Mm -hmm. They're laser focused on just growing the business and growing their uh, investment portfolio. Um, but the blind spot is the de the defensive side, right? Mm -hmm. And and def uh, defense wins you championships. Yes. Offense wins, wins you games. And over the long run, you know, the championship that you're trying to win is the legacy play, you know, the legacy wealth that you've created. You want to protect that and then efficiently transfer that on to, to the next generation. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so important and there's many different, 
uh, defensive things mm-hmm. that folks need to take a look at that there could be gaps in <laughs> that yeah. that they that they don't know about, and especially right now, you know, um, right now is is a time where folks need to focus on on good, good, solid defense, right? It is, yeah. So just making sure making sure that. Um, Something that that could sound as simple as estate documents, like your core estate documents, having those buttoned up, those are boring. Nobody wants to talk about them. If you did it before, you think you're done, you know, you're one and done on that. But that that can be a really big gap. So just taking the the opportunity to take a step back, make sure that that stuff's buttoned up, because that's really the foundation of what you're going to build on after that. So if you want to if you want to be able to build off of that put some very, um, very interesting wealth transfer strategies into place, that has to be good first. Like, you, you know, build the attic before the foundation. So let's make sure that that's set up. And, um, and then, you know, you're so focused on, on the building of the business, which is awesome. I think that that should be the focus, but making sure somebody's sitting there and going, okay, you got these other gaps down the down the down the road. You're going to need some liquidity at some point. There's going to be a succession plan we need to think about. Um, without that, this is not going to be a generational business. This is not going to create generational wealth. This is going to create a very nice lifestyle for this generation. Um, and for some people, that's okay. But most people are thinking, "Wow, this is the first time in our family we've done this. We need to. We have a responsibility to make sure that it benefits many people beyond it. That doesn't, you know, just spoil my kids and all that stuff." Those are super important things to have somebody um, available to you to kind of talk through and start to make sure that you you have a strategy in place that that addresses that. Yep. Think about the United States. How many um, self-made millionaires are there? It's incredible. So there's so many people in the United States. I, I saw a statistic the other day, um, and I don't remember the exact number, um, but it, it's it's incredible the amount of millionaires that are self-made people that don't come from anything so um and if you just grew up you know middle class um which (laughs) most of us did you don't know about any of this stuff um and the 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 um likelihood that we know advisors that do is very very low um, because they just service the middle class, right? So when you break out of that and you do become mm-hmm. a self-made millionaire and turn that self-made millionaire status into a multi-millionaire status, which a lot of these people do, uh, there's a, a ton of them in our network, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and our community that they're just absolutely crushing it and keep crushing it. Um, you know, the, the, there's a ton of stuff that we don't think about, um, and what they don't think about. So I think blind spots is key, but Playing great defense is, is is cardinal to the great offense that you're already mm-hmm. playing. So one of the specialities in your advanced planning strategies, there's a lot of stuff that you can uh, have conversations with folks about and help them identify gaps, help them identify inefficiencies, help them identify uh, things that could p- potentially um erode and, and and divide wealth over time so you can kind of create a roadmap for, uh, for them of what they need to have in place at, at what stage as they're progressing uh, on their journey. But one of the things that you do extremely well, and, and this is a speciality of yours, uh, is the premium uh, finance life insurance strategy, which I'm very, very excited about uh, j- just to yeah. talk about. You know, most people don't know this, uh, and I'll just preface this and I'll, I'll, I'll I'll uh, hand it over to you to talk more about that. But most people just 
you know, number one, think about life insurance is somebody uh, needs to die in order for someone else to get a buyout. That's it. Then you have folks that are familiar with infinite banking, like how to become your own bank through high cash value life insurance, which we do at Producers Wealth. Uh, and they understand that. They understand it's a warehouse of capital and it's a great uh, place for liquidity now for your business and invest investments. What, but what they don't know is that in a life insurance, um, and you know, when you look at the world as an insurance company or as a bank, you know, you, you have a completely different uh, look <laughs> at, at the world. Um, yeah. Banks and financial institutions will actually lend certain individuals uh, capital to uh, purchase life insurance policies. You know, that's where the premium finance life insurance come mm -hmm. in. Now, that's a very, very short description of it. There's a lot more to it. It's more about strategy and process, just about, you know, some cool kind of like ninja trick as folks would call it with, uh, with, with leveraging the bank's money. So what is premium finance life insurance? How does it work? And how does it solve a lot of the challenges mm -hmm. that business owners uh, str struggle with? Yeah. So um, premium finance life insurance is nothing new uh, and something that, that sometimes you You'll hear about it a little bit here and there. Um, it got especially popular on some uh, socials uh, for a little for a period of time, but it's been around since the '80s, and it's just really it was solving a problem. Wealthy families in their and their advisors needed to solve the problem of there being a low exemption and making it really really difficult to transfer wealth that was getting eroded by estate taxes. And by low exemption, just meaning how much can I move either during lifetime or at passing. To the next generation without having to pay estate taxes and these big generational families and and uh, i mean most high net worth families that includes like look everything's counted on that balance sheet for when you're talking about your net worth so so if you have illiquid assets and you're trying to figure out okay i have to pay estate tax on that what do you need you need liquidity <laughs> all right so at that point it was how do we how do we plan around that. So one thing is gifting to a trust and trying to move things while before they grow in value and, and try to get that out. But the exemptions were so low that it was like, well, we really can't move that much to it. It doesn't move the needle. Um, so then the next and the next thing that kind of um, escalates it is, well, we'll move assets to a trust, they'll generate income, and we'll buy life insurance in the trust. So that's all outside of my estate. And then now, obviously, life insurance is going to create liquidity when you pass. So there's some liquidity for state taxes. Um, so that was that was kind of the next thing. But there again, exemption was so low. I mean, at one point it was like five hundred thousand. Um, and so that's when they realized, well, actually, banks will loan money to a trust, and that can be used to buy life insurance. Trust can buy life insurance on the grantor. Banks will loan money to a trust with a grantor um, posting collateral. And they realized, okay, we can do this. So they, that was the, the, the genesis of it goes back to the 80s. You fast forward to today, we have a historically high exemption for at least a couple more years. Likely it's going to get sunsetted. So there's an opportunity here for the ultra fluent um, that sit there and go, well, I have a plan for my exemption. I've either used it or I'm using it and I have that plan, but that doesn't move the needle on my wealth. Like it, you know, I, I'm not dead yet, too. So there's going to be more growth. And when I look at these future growth numbers out to my life expectancy, and I see like where things should be at that point, and then I start to take into account the fact that I used up my exemption, and there's a 40% estate tax as it sits now, likely that's not going to 
go away. I mean, the government loves taxes and it's not likely <laughs> that that's going to go away. So there's a major liquidity concern there. Um, and so that that's where the the efficiency of it comes in. Banks going to loan money to the to the trust. The trust can buy a policy and and actually designed. So for your listeners that are very familiar with IBC, going to be designed a lot similar to that type of policy as far as it being high cash value. And the reason being is that cash value is going to be collateral for the loan. There's a gap there. The re- remainder of the gap will be posted at by trust assets or by the grantor. But you're going to hit a point where you you sh- you you fund that policy just for a few years, and then you just let the cash grow in that policy for a few more. Then there's enough cash in that policy to actually pull it out of the policy and pay the bank back and still have a, a healthy life insurance policy that's paid up, that has no more premiums, has no more, there's no more bank obligation. It's just a paid up policy sitting in that trust, sitting in a, an irrevocable trust outside of your state. And then obviously it's going to be there when the passing of the grantor occurs. So now we've got liquidity and that liquidity can be used to get assets out of the estate. It can be swapped and you can settle the estate tax with that. Um, it's kind of nice if you if you do have assets in your estate that, that get a step up, you get that step up, swap them, use the income, use the death benefit to pay estate taxes. And now you re- preserve so much more of your family's legacy through doing something like that, as opposed to selling assets off, trying to settle with the IRS in that nine month period. <laughs> and, uh, and then a just having fewer assets because you had to sell them off and pay pay the tax, but you also are probably not selling them at at the best and highest values because you know you're settling in a state. It's kind of a fire sale. So just to uh, hit on a couple of points here that you made, the first mm-hmm. point was the liquidity issue. You know there are so many real estate investors and business owners in our community, and that I have conversations with that that's going to be a huge issue for them because they've crushed it in their real estate business, building out that portfolio. They've crushed it in their businesses, just growing that. But there's no there's no plan for liquidity if something should happen to them. Mm-hmm. So what you were just uh, uh, sharing is so important because if you don't have a plan in place or a, a, a continuity plan mm-hmm. for your family and your business, what ends up happening is the the spouse that was the operator, the real estate operator, or the business operator passes away. The other spouse wasn't involved in the business or uh, doesn't have anything to do with that business. Let's just say hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Well, what 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 options are now for the remaining spouse? They have to sell at a discount the real estate. And potentially the business just to deal with 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 taxes at that stage, right? And the lack of liquidity. I think that's huge. There's so many people I know that's listening to this that can that needs to hear this um, because it's so important right now. Um, the other thing too is taxes. You know, and you and I in the circles that 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 we uh, that that we operate in, and the conversation that we have, and the conversations mm-hmm. that we have in Cashflow Nirvana, that I'm so honored that you're part of, is all about how tax deferral is financial suicide right now. You would not want to defer taxes at all because tax taxes, you know, historically uh, are very very low. Most people don't know this; they think it's very very high. Yes, it is. <laughs> you want obviously want it much much lower, but historically relative to where it has been before, it's still very, very low. And 
seeing that most uh, governments are bankrupt, whether it's federal, state, provincial, local. Um, I mean, the only thing that they know how to raise revenue in is raise taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so deferring taxes, financial suicide. The other thing, not having a plan, a proper estate planning strategy or having a roadmap of certain things that you have to do during uh, at certain stages um, during during your journey could really put you in a spot where the government's going to take a lot of it. You mentioned that there is um, well, what estate um, the limits of of, of on, on, well the 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 rules are going to change, right? So what is it now? A twenty four million plus? Yeah, it's a little little over that for this year. It's almost twenty six, um, and then between now and the end of 2025. So when when Trump was in office, he was able to get the exemption doubled, but he wasn't able to get it permanent. So it has a natural sunset at the end of 2025. And each year it's been increasing on the rate of inflation. Um, Or I mean, if it's on the real true rate of inflation, it should go way up this year, but it has been increasing each year. But at the end of 2025, it will go back to those pre- pre-Trump era amounts, which will be adjust, but also adjusted for inflation, it will be about six to seven million per individual. So about 13 million for a married couple. So it's going to be half of what it is today. Wow. So there's an opportunity now for for people that whose net worth is there or above or is quickly getting there and moving to to seriously think about not just estate planning from a from a core perspective, which they need to. Um, but also think about well wealth transfer, and and just trying to capture using some of their exemption while it's still efficient to do so, um, and then making sure I mean look it's if it's outside of your state it's outside of the taxable estate for estate tax purposes there's still income tax issues there uh, or considerations there, um, but then there's also the opportunity to say hey you know what if I if I move everything out I don't control it eh, that's not always the worst thing. And it doesn't always mean that you can't get some benefit from it. So there's a lot of conversation to go there where you really need to understand like, hey, here's what I have. Here's my, I need, I have a plan or I don't have a plan for for it in the future. How do I get there? Um, you know, I, I encourage people not to really have the, to, to have an answer before they sit down to really, to be like, hey, what, what are some of the things out there? Think much more about what your goals are, what you'd like to see happen, and then let that sort of determine what the plan might be. Very well put. Uh, This type of planning, advanced planning, is customized. There's no one size fits all here. So there's no, oh, I heard about this strategy and I'm going to, I want to do this. There's, that that doesn't, (laughs) that doesn't work that way at this level of planning because it might work in someone else's situation, but in your situation, there could be a completely different set of circumstances and variables and you would need a different strategy. So um, yeah, there's no, there's no cookie cutter strategies here. So I just want to emphasize that because um, yeah, um, very, very well put. Big picture. Sure, too. From from a tax standpoint, you know, I just ran some numbers here. Let's just say you're at 26 million, where it's at, right? And let and yeah. and that's your exemption, and your net worth's 26 million, and now it drops down at 2025. You said down to 13. Let's just say 13, 13. You know, potentially. You know, the numbers are going to be rough. You know, it's not going to be exact numbers, but 26, and your 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 net worth is 26. And now all of a sudden, I uh, drop the exemption drops to, to 13. So now you owe. F- Currently, this could change too. 40% estate taxes. This could, by the way, change. On 40%, 
where now if something had to happen, you wouldn't pay any taxes because you had the, have the exemption by 2025, you would owe 5.2 million in taxes. And that's at 40%, yeah. you know, going to 50%. Now you're, now you're at, you know, what, six and a half million. So it has a massive impact of your strategy. And, and for folks that have everything set up too, we actually just spoke about this too, Stephen, you, you and I, um, and, and, and Cashler Nirvana, sit down with your legal team, the mm -hmm. your sit down with your tax team, sit down with your legal team, uh, that, that crafted your asset protection and estate planning. Uh, this needs to be revised. I mean, this is not something that you sit and forget. You need to sit down every minimum, every six months with them, or if something changes right away, uh, because things are going to change pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, you have to play very, very good defense um, and you have to make adjustments using another sport analogy, adjustments on the fly, you know, uh, in a in a defensive strategy. So I just wanted to, to emphasize that. Um, case studies, There's, I know this is all customizable, but I just wanted to share um, maybe one or two or three uh, concepts uh, of how families have used this uh, you know, in a range of accomplishing, you know, a, a ton of, a, 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 of object, objectives. Maybe if you could share mm -hmm. a couple of those. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to touch on one thing too, in that example that you're given, you're using, you, you're using present value. So if your present value is there, you're, and we all know the, the, the 27th million, you know, the million dollar is not nearly as hard to make as that first million. And yep. so you're not going to still be at 26 in 20 years. So when you start to do future value calculations and you start to sit there and go, well, you know, I mean, I've done them before where it's like 4% after tax growth on a, on a state and you, and somebody's in their fifties and you say, you're like, look, I, life expectancy is in your eighties, at least those are substantial numbers. So when you can start to plan in your forties and your fifties, and, and certainly in your 60s, if you haven't, and start to transfer some of that and capture growth, these are significant, significant changes to your, your family legacy on the financial side. So um, just to, for example, on a, on a case study side, you know, I was working with, with um, uh, an entrepreneur a few years ago that, that, came, that was introduced to me because he was, he was on the hockey stick projectile. It was just like, he, you know, he's working with with some um, with some partners. He had found a really nice niche in a very specific real estate um, space. Uh, I'm trying to keep it a little generic, but like very, and they just were really good at identifying that and going around finding opportunities. And so when I was introduced to him, for example, balance sheet was in the the high twenties, but because he kept such good records, I knew exactly where they were the three years before. And I mean, just, you're talking about boom, 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 just, just growing, like just really doing a great job. And so to his credit, you know, coming to us in his early fifties and saying, Hey, what should I be thinking about here? It's like, well, let's look at a few things, right? Let's look at what estate taxes are doing. Let's look at your balance sheet and what type of assets you have, because it's, it's different if somebody's got um, assets that are in a, a, a company versus real estate versus the market, which isn't a lot, uh, not very typical, by the way, it turns out not a lot of people build their wealth in the market, you know, they kind of park it there for a little while. But um, so so by taking a look at that, and him getting comfortable, even with the fact that his, his trajectory was going the way it was going, we, we could look at different wealth transfer options. 
It's like, hey, you have the option to we can do some gifting. We can do some sale of assets to the trust. Um, those will do these things. There was some concern over kind of loss of control and some of those things. So we're looking, walk through all of those and see how you can kind of move that needle a little bit. And then um, the last thing was uh, life insurance and financing it. As somebody, obviously in real estate, you understand le- leverage and using the bank's money to do projects. I mean, his banking relationships were awesome. Um, and, and in fact, we actually ended up going to a, a completely different one outside of that. But but what we ended up doing is being able to put a portfolio together of, of a policy in an irrevocable trust that's dynastic in nature that has spousal lifetime access provisions to it. So like there's actually poss- potential to pull some some capital out if they needed to, which is just a comfort piece. You don't, you know, often that's an income of last resort, but um, but we were able to put that together, get a bank to finance it. And uh, this was, I think we're four years ago and interest rates were way lower than even projected at that point. Interest rates are up now. And yet he's sitting there because, because again, hockey stick projection on his, on his growth. We're four years in, he's doing very, very well. We're even at this point now where it's like, hey, where's my flexibility to actually increase the death benefit on that policy? And by by using some additional capital in there, using some of my exemption now, what are some of those options? Like that's where we're at right now in those conversations. Cause because there is there's ill there's there's a lack of flexibility in one regard, and there is flexibility in another where we could sit there and go, hey, you don't even need a new policy. Like imagine that somebody that's saying, wait, you need more life insurance, but, but not a new policy, you know, <laughs> like that's a, that's kind of incredible, but being able to sit there and say, Hey, because of these leverage aspects, we're going to deleverage some things, which are going to then do this on the back end to your liquidity from the death benefit that will, will actually help it keep up with the fact that you've just been growing so much and all of that captured outside of your state. Yeah, it's an, it's Off incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and then also you, you've shared that there's incredible gifting strategies uh, utilizing this strategy too, right? Yeah. It really, really is fun when you can see. So there's there's the idea like leverage can be a factor in helping, helping to just accelerate the ability to grow that liquidity. But that's only one factor. When you are looking at it as an overall plan, it's a lot of fun when you can sit there and go, "Hey, we have some we have some non-voting shares over here or we can restructure something to create non-voting, you know, have GPLP type of structure and we can gift some of that at a discount." So instead of moving a dollar to my trust for a dollar's worth of exemption, I'm moving a dollar of value to my trust for 70 cents of an exemption. And that 70 cents that or that dollar asset that I put in there is actually generating income and that income is now a factor in helping deleverage the other policy or help uh, fund the interest or some of those things, which any of that just makes it look even better, right? Like you have a loan, you want the policy, you want the, the interest to be covered. Um, there's different ways to do that. But if you can integrate that with gifting and those, and it's it's really a beautiful thing. It can make the, the uh, future performance of these policies just way outperform where you might've been in the very beginning. So, uh, Stephen, so who is this uh, particular strategy for the premiums, uh, premium finance life insurance, and who is this not for? Yeah, the, it, the, it's really for the ultra high net worth. And that's a subjective number, right? Like you have people people kind of say high net worth and um, 
where it works best is where you're north of where the lifetime exemption is. So if you are, if your net worth is uh, north of that today, or you're, you're getting pretty close to it and you're young, you know, if you're in your forties and fifties, then you know, you're going to well pass it and, and it cutting in half. We should be talking about these. Um, what I think when we see if you Google premium finance, you'll see it was sold in a lot of other spaces than that in the, in the past, which I never agreed with. I think that was not the, the space for it. And high interest rates environment will will highlight that, highlight that there is no need for it for retirement planning or something like that. This is really, uh, it's really for estate planning for ultra high net worth. That's where it's going to um, be effective. And it's going to be effective when interest rates are high. It's going to be really effective when they're low. And it's going to, and, and it's going to, to do what you need it to do over that course of the next 40 years. I just wanted to add to uh, what you were just saying. I've seen a lot of exotic strategies online. I mean, I see it all over, <laughs> all over when it comes to life insurance, right? I see very exotic stuff uh, posted on video channels like YouTube about infinite banking, where I'm like, mm, mm. not quite, not quite. And I see it the same with premium finance life insurance. So I jokingly say, you know, exotic financial uh vehicles or structured in exotic ways like exotic food it might be exciting at the time but you never know what's going to happen the next day right yeah, um, yeah. you could be in some, some severe pain physically and in this case financially mm -hmm. um but so one thing that i just wanted to uh just hit on again is um if you are uh, close to the exemption. I mean, you should definitely be looking at this if you are on track. Like, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things that we were talking about 15 million and up, hitting $20 million net worth. And you're, I mean, you're just growing every single year. Mm -hmm. This should be something that you're planning for. Might not be something that you jump into immediately, but there should be a roadmap, like at certain stages of when you start yes. to do what, right? Um, so those that's when you should be looking at this stuff. Again, I've seen all of the exotic stuff. People afforded me a ton of stuff in my network, in my community about infinite banking, about premium finance, life insurance. Be very, very, very careful of all these exotic things that you see. Um, yeah. And, and you know, talk to folks that live and breathe the stuff that are professionals. This is what they do, mm -hmm. what they do, what they do for a living. So I definitely just want to hit um, uh, on that. Any final comments just on advanced planning and uh, just the premium finance life insurance that you think folks would find useful and, and valuable? So I'm going to do, I'm going to um, answer that with two different categories, because something I just thought of as you were uh, as we were talking about that MC is, you know, I want to offer for your listeners that are trusted advisors for other people that are financial advisors or CPAs, attorneys that are they're they're sitting at the table with their clients. You know, one of the things that I know you're passionate about as well is is keeping that bad, those bad um, strategies out of the market and out of their clients. So I get um, I, so I always encourage people if you're seeing things and your client wants your opinion on something and you're not really sure uh, you're, you're kind of researching it and trying to figure out what's good and bad about it. I'm more than happy to have those conversations because to me, it's like, let's keep the let's let's keep the good stuff going and the bad stuff out. And um, and so I you know offer that out because I have some really good, good 
relationships with financial advisors that think that way, that sit there and know that this isn't their space. They're not a life insurance person. So they, they'll lean on me to just give them, hey, here's what's good. Here's what's bad. Here's where it works. Here's where it doesn't. Um, so I want to offer that out too. If you're listening to this and you're like, hey, things come across my plate, looks kind of exotic, haven't seen it before, reach out. If I haven't seen it before, I've got a network of people that that are still, I'll, I'll reach out to and say, hey, we'll just kind of pool together. There's no money to be made on that. And that's okay, because what we're doing is is doing the right thing for people and keeping things out. And at the right time, we'll make sure the right things are being implemented. So that's the one thing. Um, to answer your question a little bit more, more directly, it's just making sure that as, you, as your listeners that are sitting there going, hey, I mean, my estate plan, it's somewhere in my safe. I did that before. I don't really know what's there. I don't know. My business is booming. So like, that's what I'm focused on. And I've got these deals and I've got this environment that we're in. Um, that's what I've been focused on. Really take take a moment to not sit there and necessarily have to dig super deep into it, but to engage, engage the right people to do so. Reach out. Let's have a conversation about it. Make sure you have some things in place. Let's get attorneys to to adjust things the way they need to be. And, um, and, and do projections, understand where East estate taxes are, make sure you understand where they are and see what your options are for wealth transfer. And there can be some little things to do. There could be some bigger things to do, but there also could be like, Hey, here's the things that you're going to do. Just not now. Um, and you should probably have a plan over the next two years, uh, three years to get there. Yep. Yeah. That's one thing that I've learned in advanced planning strategies too. There's always a roadmap. You're not, you might, you're, you are where you're at and there, there's things that you should be doing and have in place, but then there should be a roadmap as you grow of the next things that you need to look at and, and implement and execute. Uh, so it's always moving, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's not stagnant. It's not static. It's always moving. There's always things that you need to need to incorporate for folks that are interested in this type of conversation on advanced planning and family office strategy. Stephen and I actually just launched a podcast. So it's called family office secrets. So if you're listening to this, and you want uh, weekly conversations, it's about uh, 10 minutes in length, right? 10 to 15 mm -hmm. minutes, these episodes where we just share one particular aspect or topic. Um, and I love it because I get to to interview Stephen on it and, mm -hmm. and pick his brain. So uh, if you're interested in that, um, it's about 10 to 15 minutes. It's called Family Office Secrets. So if you go to Apple Podcast, if you go to Spotify, if you go to Google Podcast, Family Office Secrets is the name of the, the podcast. Um, I would highly recommend that. And then also Stephen has done a presentation um, on premium finance life insurance, which is extremely, extremely valuable. Uh, I've worked through that twice and I've gotten some great feedback on that. Um, if you're interested in exploring that strategy, you can go to familyofficesecrets.com. That's familyofficesecrets.com. And you'll get uh, the uh, the webinar, the presentation that Stephen did on uh, this premium finance life insurance strategy. And then Stephen, how else can folks, if they want to directly reach out to you and have a conversation, how can they get in touch and how can they stay informed of all the many things you're in, you're involved with? Yeah. So you can, you can book time with me directly on catalystadvisory.io, catalystadvisory.io. There's a space there to, to grab a short chat with me. If you, if we've never met before, and you just want to like have a few questions. Uh, you can grab an hour with me on there too. Um, so that that's that's an easy way to to kind of reach out to me and and have a Zoom and 
Um, but if you prefer email, Stephen at catalystadvisory.io. It's Stephen with a V um, at catalystadvisory.io. And uh, we can set up some time and, and have a conversation. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming uh, on the show and just sharing your journey and your knowledge and just providing so much value for all of my listeners and viewers. Yeah. Thanks for having me on.